I'm Julie Hyde, and I believe you can't be a leader of others until you are a leader of self. It all starts with leading you. So if you are ready to be the best leader that you can be, you're in the right place. I'll be chatting to a diverse range of leaders who will spill the beans on their leadership, how they changed the game, insights into their mindset, and how they built the courage and resilience to be a modern leader with impact. Let's get into it. Super pumped to have Alex Anseldo with me today. Alex is a mechanical engineer, transdermal drug delivery researcher, medical doctor, and now graphic designer. So Alex is as indecisive as they come. No doubt much to the concern of his current boss and wife, Brianna Anseldo, head honcho at Bambi Media. So Alex is not a speaker, he's not selling anything, and he doesn't have any courses or masterminds. He's just a guy that has made some big changes in his life that I was super fascinated with, so had to talk to him on the Leading You podcast. So welcome, Alex. Well, thanks very much. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure. So I'm really keen to get into your story because you are quite fascinating to me and I'm sure many others in terms of your career journey. I'd love to start with young Alex. So little Alex, what did he want to be when he grew up? Oh, wow. I was thinking about this before the show. I actually think I had no idea. Not in the sense that uh, I want to be this, I want to be that, I want to try this, I want to try that. I actually had no recollectable idea of what I wanted to do with my life through my formative years. You know, I just kind of floated along. I was a bit of a follower, I think, when it came time to decide on a university degree, because I had to go to university, that was drilled into me from the parents. Uh, when it came time for the degree, it was, I didn't, I didn't really know. So, my dad was like, well, you can do a lot with an engineering degree, why not do engineering? And so, then it became, okay, well, I guess I'll select what I want to do within engineering and fell into mechanical engineering that way. So it was there was through no positive step of my own that I ended up initially in engineering, the first step of my tertiary education it were to be. Amazing. So how long did you do that for? It was actually I spent five five years doing mechanical because I did an extended major and, and honors. But throughout that I did a year of business management and music technology because I'd I'd kind of done a couple of years of engineering I was like, this is, I don't know if this is for me. Why don't I just flake out and do something else for a year? <laughs> I'll defer my engineering. Did business um, management and, and um, music tech, which was great. See all the University of Queensland's um, ancient music equipment, big 64-channel analog decks and tape mixes and all this fancy stuff. And throughout that year, I actually went a lot to Brianna's uni just to hang out with her and do some recording and stuff down at her university at the con. <laughs> so that was a fun year. Yeah, but after that, I kind of, I don't know, through, either through external pressure from my parents or perhaps I was a bit worried I was becoming too rudderless. I went back to engineering and then <laughs> finished off the degree, yeah. Okay, okay. So, did you meet Brianna at, at uni or how did you meet her? It was probably in about my first year of uni that, that I met her um, through friends of friends and uh, it was actually, I guess, officially we met. I was courting her best friend at the time and um, asking for her 
advice as to how how to proceed and and because me and her friend had been on and off a little bit and and i was like all right i gotta stop being so you know indecisive let's okay let's let's ask her out so i was talking to brianna hey should i ask your friend out she's like yeah yeah kate's always said you're great you know she thinks you're awesome and so i went and asked kate out and she just rejected me and (laughs) and and so then uh, of course um the uh, the shoulder to cry on was was brianna's and we became very fast friends and um Hung out heaps and heaps and heaps, and had a long friendship before. Then we got we started going out and got married, and so that was how we met through that sort of <laughs> trying to go out with her friend. Yeah, yeah I love that. That's gorgeous. Okay, so mechanical engineer, and then transdermal drug delivery researcher. Tell me what it means. Trying to deliver drugs through the skin, basically, so we don't have to give people tablets or big scary needles that hurt a lot we can use essentially millions of tiny needles that just puncture the top layer of skin and deliver drugs there and there's a bunch of immune cells there ready to receive them so we were trying to figure out how to design this delivery device and things and so i did that straight out of engineering because i like the medical side i like the the immunology the the biochem the anatomy that sort of thing was very interesting and it kind of started my process towards medicine you know my engineering degree led to sort of product design, which led to medical device design, which led to medical physiology and anatomy, which led eventually to a medical degree. Amazing. So how many years of study is like a medical doctor? Uh, it's four years, the medical degree. And then, and then when you come out, you've got to do your internship. And then well, internship is like a, a year as a, your first year as a doctor. And then you do your resident years, which can be one or two years, typically. That's your when you're kind of like a big little doctor. <laughs> and then usually, typically, you, you'll, you'll look, at, look into um, your training programs, so mental health, GP, hospital, surgery, internal medicine, those sort of things, and start gearing your placements and your years towards the training program you want to get onto. Okay. And so, what did you love about being a doctor? And how many years did you do that for? So, after graduating medical school, I was a doctor for just over five years. And I guess it's hard to say what I expected to love about it because I'm not sure if I've got a great story or a great reason for getting into medicine. It, I kind of fell, stumbled along this pathway through more and more medical studies and ended up in medicine. So, I can't really claim this big valiant drive of I want to help people. I want to, I want to stop the suffering. I want to, that didn't really, that wasn't really first and foremost when I went into it. But when you became a doctor, you very much felt part of a team. It was a very tight-knit team, whether it was because it was just camaraderie through shared suffering because the work, the work is just <laughs> relentless. But you definitely did feel part of a team and a very crucial part. And if you did get a second to sort of take a step back and look at the situation that your patient was in, the the opportunity to experience was quite rewarding, trying to put yourself in their shoes and and take a real sense of satisfaction from being able to lessen suffering just for that one person, even if it was for only a couple of days, you know. So, there there definitely was some pluses to be taken from it. I bet your patients were devastated to lose you because it's really hard to find a really good GP. Oh, well, I, I, was, I wasn't a GP. I spent most of my time in um, general surgery in uh, Ipswich. Yeah, so lots of, lots of pus. There's lots of pus in Ipswich, as I'm sure there is everywhere. But <laughs> Oh, my God, that's hilarious. So, then the jump out 
and into Brianna's business, into something completely different, like really creative. Was there like a, a moment that made you say or decide, look, this just isn't for me? Because I, I can imagine that the hours would have been incredibly difficult with your medicine. So was there something or some, did something happen when you went, you know what, I'm out? There was a, a little bit of a definable moment. It, it, I found myself sort of taking stock of what I wanted out of life and what I was currently getting out of life. And then I was increasingly making decisions to try and achieve some sense of work-life balance. And so, and for, you know, I ended up in medicine, which is not a great one for work-life, but throughout my training, I was thinking, okay, what, what doctors out there look like they've got a decent balance and what professions, what trainings. And it's sad that you've got to choose your vocation based on the least amount of suffering you're going to need to endure and the most enjoyment out of life. It'd be nice in an ideal world to be go, I just love neurosurgery and I'd like to do that and have a life. Can I do that? Ah, I can't. Okay. So, I got to cross that off the list. So, the, it, it, there was a lot of trial and error and thinking, oh, geez, no, that won't do, that won't do, that won't do. Ended up in uh, nuclear medicine, which is sort of mostly looking at the imaging associated with cancer. And uh, that sort of led me towards radiology, so the interpretation of medical scans. And that seemed to be able to afford a reasonable work-life balance. So, I was just like, okay, well, let's pursue this. And got onto the training program, did the interviews, and I was studying for the part one, which is a big exam you got to do shortly after getting on the program. So, I was working long hours and then studying at night. And I've got a couple of young kids and, and wasn't particularly active with them, or at least there wasn't enough of me present to enjoy them at the time. And we managed to go on a little break, a little holiday, like to the coast or something like that. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to leave the books at home because I hadn't done it before. And, and, and I'm just going to go on a holiday and just enjoy it. And, and uh, it was lovely. It was fantastic, you know, very restful and, and a nice glimpse at what life could be. And then I got back and did a big shift and pick up the books. And I just got so, I got quite jittery. I suspect it was probably some form of panic anxiety or panic attack. Quite jittery, heart rate up, breathing fast, worried, like, like very restless, looking at this material I was supposed to be studying. And, and that really brought it to the forefront, like, what I was doing was, you know, was the opposite of what I should be doing right now. It was, and that made me stop and think and look forward. And I think, okay, so I do this exam and I get on the program and I do five years on the program, including two major research assignments and then I sit for secondary exams and then there's a fellowship year and then you're consultant. And at that time, you could choose your hours. You can work three days a week and still earn three, 400,000 a year, you know, crazy money. But, and then I was thinking, well, at that point, my oldest will be a teenager, <laughs> And they would have passed through formative years without me, essentially. And, and that was just too valuable to pass up. So, at that point, it became very clear or black and white, I suppose. I was like, well, if that's a priority, you can't keep going on your path you're on. And I was already at what I thought was the, I guess, most flexible stream of medicine. And so, I guess if, if I couldn't make that work, I'm, I'm out. And, and then it, it kind of clicked and... and dawned on me then. So, it was, it was somewhat of a defining moment, but it was the culmination of probably a year or two of dissatisfaction in the area. 
Yeah. And knowing, I suppose you really had that in the back of your mind, like you knew what you wanted and it took you to step away, which is so common for people. They need to step away to get that perspective, to really understand what they're missing out on. Absolutely. Because you, you can get onto the onto the conveyor belt of, of, of get a job and get promotions and rack up some debt so you need to stay in your job. So then you can get promotions and then rack up more debt with houses and cars. So you, end, you can end up just sort of getting stuck in this in this pipeline until you take a bird's eye view or zoom out and and look at whether or not this is going to put you on a path to where you want to get to in five or ten years yeah mm. so and you've had a love for um, music clearly you mentioned about the uni so was that just like okay I'm going to um, start doing what you're doing now and was that sort of an easy transition for you? Like, how did you make the transition, I suppose? What was the type of feedback that you received externally that you might have had to navigate as well? Mm. Well, look, looking at the transition, once I'd made the decision, I arranged some babysitting for the kids so Brenna and I could go out and have a dinner and talk about this and try and strategize. and. It was also in the back of my mind that Brianna was sort of being held back quite a lot by being at home with the kids. She had started Bambi Media um, at this point and she was working hard as well. And she had quite a lot, obviously, of drive, entrepreneurial drive. And I didn't possess that. I didn't possess that type of, of, of drive that she had. And so when I was thinking medicine's not for me, and looking at Brianna and thinking, well, she would love to just smash Bambi Media and 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 get that up there. Then then it became a bit more obvious that I was like, well, I'll, I'll take the kids, I'll stay home and do all the the domestic duties and things, and you just expand this business of Bambi Media as much as you'd like to. And and so that was the swap initially. We looked at how much savings we had and how much payout I'd get from leaving medicine and what Brianna was bringing in, and we thought, oh, we could make it work for a little while, and then. It was working. It was working quite well. And I was really enjoying it. You know, I was taking the kids to the op shops and to parks after school every day and, and, and smashing it. It was great. So I was making up for a lot of lost time. I think um, one night I'd looked at what Brianna was doing and she was doing podcast editing for a few clients. She was also doing their show notes. She was also doing their upload and scheduling. And she was also doing their snippets and their graphic design. And through discussions, I'd heard that she wasn't a huge fan of doing the design work. She was more the audio editing, strategizing, big picture. And one night I'd had a look at some of her design work and I was like, oh, that's no good. <laughs> I can't believe people are paying for that. And so, <laughs> so I had a look at it and thought, oh, geez, well, right away you need to make those letters bigger and oh, there are too many elements there and straight away that's not symmetric. And so she was like, well, why did, why did you do it? And I was like, oh, okay. So, so I started, you know, again, just another example of me falling into a role, I suppose, but started just doing the design. And and I was I was pretty good at it, you know. I was not formally trained, but I knew what was, you know, symmetrical, what looked nice, what was too busy, not busy enough. So then I took more and more of the design work away from her, and she was able to look more and more big picture. And then the business really took off from there. As soon as she was sort of untethered to aspects of the role she didn't want to do, she was really able to expand the business and get a bunch more clients and and then bunch more employees and, and and then myself sort of taking the lead designer role and having an, an illustrator and designer underneath me and then that's really kind of snowballed quite quite quickly after that transition from medicine 
Bambi Media was able to take off uh, as if it just a chain, a chain had been sort of cut and then it was able to just fly, yeah. Amazing. Was there a lot of feedback externally that you received and you were like, mm, I'm not listening to this? The first feedback I had was from the consultants who I was currently working with in medicine. I had about five who I'd told individually because I had good relationships with all of them that I was actually leaving medicine. And the response there was quite moving. There was These were all 50 to 70-year-old males very heartfelt emotional responses. I think two of them shed some tears and one of them even expressed similar feelings to do with wanting to leave the profession. And I think, I think there's a lot of probably unrecognized dissatisfaction amongst doctors that feel that they've done so much study they can't, they can't get out. So the initial feedback was shock and I guess, what, what a waste, you know, like uh, it was, was a bit like, well, what about you've done all this study, your resume looks great, you're on the program, you've, yeah, I guess it was just shock and disbelief that, that I'd go that way. And then after I was out, then it was the, par- the parents as well. My parents were very, um, it took them a while to process. I initially told them and it was very, oh, like, okay, wow. And it, it seemed like it was a muted response, really, um, to, to what I'd just told them. And it came out in the days and weeks after that, their true response, because they, they'd had some shock and they, they needed to process. And they were like, it was, you know, having a son as a, as a doctor or son or daughter as a doctor, it's a little brag for a parent, I think, based on the prestigiousness of the medical profession over the last decades, particularly as um, that, that generation grew up. It was very easy for them to tell their friends what I did. And going into podcast production, graphic design they had no idea what that was they couldn't they couldn't explain what that was to someone so so it was a bit tricky i think for them to make that adjustment it took them some time they thought you know it was they're all about stability predictability you know risk aversion be prepared <laughs> and what i was doing was the complete opposite of that but the response the response from brianna's parents was was a different one it was um more of you got to do what you enjoy or at least you you, you got to do something that's not going to destroy you, but never to lose sight of the fact that you've got a family to provide for. So they're, they're balance, you've got to balance those two requirements, but certainly more of the good on you for pursuing happiness over obligation or, or sunk cost. Yeah, I love that. I can totally understand your parents' response because when I jumped out of my corporate career, I told my, my parents and they were like, um what? Like you're going to start your own business? Like what about the security, your income, you've got a mortgage? And it's like, my God, don't doubt me. I don't need you to doubt me right now. So I've just made this decision and I've done it. So I also love the obvious partnership that you and Brianna have in terms of really supporting each other. And it's such a, um, I believe, such a key to success in anything that you do when you have like a really great partnership and can and can work that out. So I, I just love hearing that and thank you for sharing like your story and how you've got there. And the reason why I really wanted to have you on today is because I speak to so many people who are stuck doing something that they really don't like makes them really unhappy. They don't have the work-life balance and they don't 
necessarily want to step outside of their comfort zone, whether that be for paycheck or just because it's something that they know or something that they've studied a long time or they've climbed the, you know, the ladder and they've finally got this title and they just won't let it go, but really want to. So what do you encourage people to do if they do find themselves in that situation where they're, they are unhappy but they're fearful of, of taking that step? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of that in that area of, of motivational speaking that you've probably heard out there that, that you can somewhat loosely apply to your own life. But I think for me, it would be to make sure you've got a healthy dose of nihilism, <laughs> of thinking, how much does this all matter? We're, we're, we are probably, we've got maybe 90 years on the planet. If we've lived 30, 40, maybe there's 50 years left. If you look at that in months, that's 600 months. And then if you think, geez, how much have I easily let months fly by? And I've only really got a few hundred left. You think, oh, that's a bit eye-opening. Um, maybe I need to even just give yourself a day to zoom out and think if, if I didn't need money at all, what would I want to do? What would I want to wake up and do? And, and I think, you know, of course, underwriting this, this response is a bunch of privilege. You know, I was middle-class family. I was put through good schools and, and helped to, to go through uni and things like that. So if, if I went out on a limb, it's probably easier if I fail for me to fall on my feet. So there's not a lot of people who are lucky to be in that situation too. So there's a lot of enjoyment to be had in life and it's easier to find it outside of work, <laughs> I think. It's great if you can find a profession you love and it, and it brings you a lot of joy and, thing, uh, and that, but perhaps if you've got something that you just think, this is not draining, it's fine, I like to do it, but really be present and enjoy your moments that you've got because, you know, we've all heard those stories of went to the doctor and they said this horrible diagnosis or a family member, a car accident or things, things can change. You, you never know what's going to happen. So, yeah, really to try and be a bit, live in the moment and be a little bit just a touch nihilistic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that and I, I think it's really great advice. It sort of supports what I say to people as well. It's like don't wait as you said, don't wait for that health diagnosis to make the change because it's so interesting how when people get that diagnosis, they then can all of a sudden make the change. I always think about your legacy, the legacy that you create every single day through the, your actions and non-actions, decisions and non-decisions, and it's like, are you proud of the legacy that you're creating today? Yeah, I think, and I think there's that. I can't remember who quoted said this quote. You got, you always have some inspirational quotes in here, but it said, "Often we say, oh, I wish five years ago I'd just made the change, jumped out, you know, stopped drinking, changed jobs, started exercising more, learned a language, insert whatever you want there." But they never really say, "All right, in five years I want to have stopped drinking, changed jobs, learned a language, started working out, so I'll start today." They always look back and wish they'd started but they never think today I'll start. Absolutely. So, Alex, I've loved chatting to you and I have one final question and Brianna might hate me for asking this question. But, um, what is next for Alex? Where will your curiosity take you? Goodness. 
no doubt it'll be something which falls in my lap without any of my orchestrating, <laughs> as has been my past. But I think um, I'm still on the journey. I'm still detaching my identity from being a doctor, to be honest. It's, it's taken quite a long time to do that, which I know is very egotistical, but I'm getting there. I'm, I'm you know, staying more and more frequently. No, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. But in the years after I stopped, I was like, I'm a doctor. I'm just not practicing. And then, no, that's changed. I'm not a doctor. But I'm definitely on the path of health, food, longevity, living a a long, enjoyable life with the time I've got left and trying to, in all honesty, make a part of my role redundant at Bambi Media. So so getting processes and systems in place and employees to um, lessen my workload somewhat substantially, not completely. I I love working here, but um, definitely lessen it so that I can get down to four-day weeks, stop working nights, you know, not, not have to do anything on the weekend and, and start really seeing what that time, that newfound sense of time brings. I love that, Alex. Thank you so much. I've loved you sharing your story and I th- it's such a great story for the Leading You podcast in terms of how you've led yourself through your life. So, while you say that, you know, things are falling in your lap, I, I also think there's a bit of orchestration there and the curiosity is taking you down this road. So, Alex, thank you so much for being a guest today. Oh, my pleasure. It was lovely. Thanks very much for having me, Julie. <laughs>